0: Part of growing is accepting what life is in that moment and still pushing forward anyway. So I just, I accepted that my life was crappy, shitty, just not very desirable at all. But at the same time, I was like, well, whatever happens, happens. I'm just gonna keep trying my best every day.
1: Welcome to Playmakers. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, 15 year NFL and NBA business exec, Widely known as the 49ers Y coach, now your coach. Join me on this journey from why to purpose to impact. The key to it all, taking action. Prepare to get tactical as our guests share their daily playbook where purpose no longer has to be a distant North Star. It can become a 365 way of life. Let's go. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome Zion Clark. Into the conversation, Zion was born with a rare birth defect called caudal regression syndrome, which caused him to be born without legs, to then be given up on for adoption at birth as his mother was not fit to take care of him, bouncing in and out of prison. He spent 17 years in foster care where he moved between nine different homes and dealt with relentless abuse, taken advantage of and labeled a problem child due to his birth defect and lack of parental support. But he then used wrestling and music as an escape and outlet. And then six months before aging out of the system and being sent to a group home, his now mother adopted him and changed his life forever. You're about to hear the rest of the backstory on how he's become an elite wheelchair racer and Netflix documentary star on his quest for Paralympic gold. Buckle up as we welcome Zion Clark into the Playmakers Podcast.
0: Zion, welcome to Playmakers. How we doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Enjoying life every day. You already know. How you doing?
1: I'm great. I'm great. Let me ask you this. Before we get into all the journey, top thing that you are enjoying in life right now, like what is, what experience are you coming off? Just what's on top of your mind?
0: Honestly, I just got back from South Korea a little less than a week ago. And, oh, man, I was there for eight, eight, nine days, and it's just, like, fresh in my head. I've never been that far away from home. It's uh, just the first step of getting out of the country. Now I'm getting ready to go to the U.K., uh, Paris, Dubai, all this really cool stuff. And, oh, shit, dude, it's going to be just absolutely crazy. It's been on the brain. And uh, also my track and and field season, I'm gearing up for. uh, I'm going into my sixth professional season since I was 18. And I'm excited for this year. I got the right coaches in the corner uh, coming at number two. So it's time to stop being number two, which I've been for five consecutive years and finally be number one.
1: I love that. So we're going to come back to this concept of coaching because I know now you're talking about modern day coaches, but I know the impact that your high school coach had on you. So we're going to get there. But why don't we go even before that? Because if I were to look you up and so many playmakers already know who you are, they've seen your Netflix piece. Maybe some of them uh, tapped into that Sundance Film Festival. I mean, dude, you've been on Ellen, set a Guinness World Record, uh, two sports Emmy. So the list goes on and on. But well, what if somebody was just meeting you? Because if
0: I read that I would, bio, if like, were just meeting me, I wouldn't tell them about any of that. My thing is the fact that if you meet me, say that you never knew who I was.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And you met me, I go up to you and be like, "Hi, my name is Zion Clark. Uh, I'm from Ohio. Nice to meet you. What's your name?" Because it's not always it's not about me showing off all the stuff I've done. It's about how I can actively inspire people in the moment. So. When I go up and meet people, I'm not in their face with everything I've done. If they know what I've done, or if they ask, great, I'll tell them. Or right, awesome, I'll like accept the respect. But if not, I'm gonna see how you are as a person, and I'm gonna I'm go off of that.
1: Well, I love it. I love it, Zion. Because look, I'm all about values, right? And I think values can become an overused word. But when you truly live your values, that's different. And one of my core values is authenticity. That right there in the last 60 seconds, I don't care what I would have read in your bio before this, what you just said speaks to your character and who you are. So let's go back to the earliest days because we all know life has chapters. We were even chatting a little off camera about this. So give us the origin of Obviously, part of your story is not only uh, I want you to tap into obviously the condition you were born with that foster chapter. Like I know there's so much in there, so bring our playmakers that may not know who Zion Clark is about his earliest years.
0: Yes, uh, um, when I was born, I was given up at birth by my mother. Father's non existent. It's one of those uh, stories, you know, uh, no mother, no father. But I went through the foster care system for the first 17 years of my life. And during that 17 years, I experienced a lot of pain and abuse, uh, which I'm not going to touch on uh, very heavily. But uh, you can find it in my book. You can find it on uh, the Netflix documentary. You can find it in almost any interview anywhere. <laughs> uh, but with that story, uh, the point I want to give you with that is uh, those 17 years I experienced before I started even – Knowing what success was or happiness or comfort was, was I had to survive and really figure out who I was as myself. And given the area I grew up in, in Canton, Ohio, and in Massillon, Ohio, um, we're probably less than than desirable. Uh, Just when it came to the area in general. You know, where I'm from is very low income, so there's not a lot of money trafficking through. Uh, so on top of being a foster child, on top of not having a, a place to call home for years on end, um, uh, it just makes it even worse. It's just a big, massive recipe for disaster. Like you ever had a really like hot chili that you just didn't want to eat after the first bite <laughs> but, like your kid and your parents keep telling you, you got to eat your whole meal. Uh, that's kind of how, how it was, you know, life sucked, but I kept, I was forced to keep living it. Uh it just it just was not it 's not anything I wish on my worst enemies it 's not anything I wish on anybody to ever go through, and that 's part of the reason um, if we get into it later where I want to talk about uh, how i 'm changing the name changing the game of the foster care system uh, so like the same thing doesn't happen the same thing that happened to me doesn 't happen to somebody else
1: yeah we 're absolutely going to get there, and before we leave those earliest years. Uh, Just look, I I see this clearly from all the stuff that I find online and I'm using these words specifically because I want you, we're not going to double click on the negative side of it. I want to shine a light on the positive resurrection from it. But I see the words mentally abused, physically bullied, underfed, but yet, and this is the part we're going to talk about, remained optimistic remained optimistic so most folks that come from those circumstances they don't they have trouble tapping into a sense of optimism because not a lot of positivity is around them so what was that burning fire inside you where when all the chips were stacked against you you still persevered stayed positive and were optimistic what's that inner fire
0: well I'm gonna gonna keep it real right now um it's not that I, I stayed positive day in day out man you know I was break I was broken down to absolutely nothing and what the only reason I survived and I got through it is because I just I, I accepted what my reality was and part of growing is accepting what life is in that moment and still pushing forward anyway so I just accept, I accepted that my life was crappy shitty just not very desirable at all But at the same time, I was like, well, whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to keep trying my best every day. Um, Whether things are good, whether things are bad, I just know that they probably won't be that good. But again, what can I do about it? So I just question. And, you know, if I'm going to be honest, I was about to be homeless before my mom, uh, Kimberly, adopted me. Uh, And by the way, shout out to my mama. Her name is Kimberly Hawkins. Absolutely amazing woman. She's uh, ever since me, she's been fostering like five, six kids at one time.
1: Ah, So Uh, awesome.
0: Doing the absolute most. And she's like definitely an inspiration for a lot of people and a lot of foster parents um, around the world and the country uh, for giving me the opportunity. But like, you know, it's it's really like, man, you got to just accept the fact that this is what things are. The world's not going to change overnight. You're not going to change overnight. You got to accept your fate and move with it and navigate your life with intention and purpose. I didn't have, I didn't have, inten- I didn't have intention or purpose, but I was still stepping forward. All right, so this
1: show is called Playmakers on Purpose, and now you're bringing us into a sweet spot here because I always say the table stakes of life are intention, ownership, and awareness, that self-awareness piece, but then you get to purpose. So for somebody out there, like in your case, you say you were navigating life with intention, purpose, but you didn't start there. So for somebody that maybe hasn't tapped into their purpose, maybe they can learn from your journey. How did you go from not feeling a sense of purpose into a space of purpose what was that from here to there experience like so we could coach others to hopefully go through the same
0: so my thing was uh to put it simply i got sick and tired of being sick and tired Uh, and you're never going to make change you're never going to switch things up if you're tired of a situation unless you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of that situation I was sick and tired of just being bullied. I was sick and tired of people just disrespecting me. I was sick and tired of me not having my way when it came to just wanting to live like a normal kid. And as I got older, you know, as you get older, you get more mature, you get more intelligence. By the time I was 13, 14, 15, I was thinking way farther ahead of what my actual age was. And when somebody came up to me, whether they were were pressing me, guess what? I pressed right back. If they were Challenging me? Guess what? I'm accepting every challenge you put in my face. It's because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, so that forced me to make change. And the change that I made, it could have gone either way. I could have gone, I could have gone negative, or I I could have went what I'm doing now and took it positive. And I decided to take it positive. But the only reason I did is circling back to my mama and my family. They really, kind of, they really pushed me that way. Because when I first got brought into that family, um, I had just gotten into a very nasty, violent physical fight uh, that caused a lot of damage to the last uh, foster house I was in, the very last one. And somehow, like, like every time throughout the 16 years prior to that, somehow it was always my fault. Everything was always my fault. When it came down to the wire, when it was time to talk, always my fault. So in this case, again, it's my fault. And again, I'm getting kicked out. And at that point, I just absolutely didn't care about nothing. I didn't have respect for anybody. Uh, I was in the streets. I was running around with gangsters, bro. I was really like just getting in trouble, running from the cops, getting in trouble, getting arrested. I was just, just I just didn't care either. Like, you know, that's, that's the scary part about it. I just did not have any feelings or any emotion towards anything that I did. My mom got me, brought me in. Uh, she understood how I felt because, you know, she, my mom didn't go through foster care, but she, like, understood what it's like to struggle living in poverty, living with the not knowing, like, where she might end up or her family might end up at the end of the night. So my mom was, like, the first person in my entire life that really actually understood exactly what I was going through because, like, I at the time, I couldn't put it into words, but if you took a look at my life, you could, under, you could understand what was happening with me, but not because not everybody can read in between the lines like my mom because she she read she read, into, she read in between the lines, made some adjustments for me, and I uh, came out better on the other side, came out multiple times state champ, national qualifier all american uh whatever you want to call it, and that's what really set me under that road of positivity. What really started it was that first match I won, finally uh, my senior year of high school wrestling, and after that, dude, I literally won like eighteen consecutive more matches before I lost my first Gosh, match that year. And ah, so good. talk about a confidence boost. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> That's a <laughs> and, rocket booster uh, to confidence, my friend. That's yeah, a rocket booster.
0: And ever since then, it's been like, all right, I can actually, I can actually do something. I'm making, a, I'm making something for myself. Now, I didn't know that uh, six, seven years later, I'd be one of the biggest names on the planet uh, just doing my thing. Uh, but that was the start of it. That's what started this confidence. That's what started... My journey to no excuses. That's what started uh, just the tenacity that I got to keep pushing forward. Hmm. Just so so good. Thank thank my mom.
1: (laughs) And and correct me if I'm wrong, Kimberly, correct?
0: Yep, Kimberly
1: Hall. All right. Kimberly sounds like one of the most awesome people on the planet, man. So I'm so glad that uh, folks are going to be tapping in and, and just uh, super curious. And, and it's cool that she's continuing to pay it forward, because I think you said five or six families, um, even after. Um, obviously, she took amazing care of you. But I also want to say this. I think for all playmakers listening in, maybe if you're in a dark spot, at times we all, we think that, all of the onus has to be on us, that we need to dig ourselves out of our hole. And I do agree that we need to start with self, but I think Zion's example right here is we can lean on others. We can have a tribe, even if it's a tribe of two people. They say it takes a village. I know many people that have a village of two, and but it's that uh, other person.
0: Villages were founded. They were founded by one or two people at a time. There you go. I, I, I love it. So
1: if Kimberly is part of this story, Let's talk about Coach Donahue, because you just said some of that high school success and then the success that follows. So now we're getting in the physical piece. And by the way, Zahn, if you don't mind, just a quick hit since we haven't touched it yet, um, because obviously I want to talk about wrestling and the physical condition you were born with. Tell us the, the name of it. kind of. I know it's like the probabilities, one in 100,000 or 200,000, and because it feeds into the story of what you accomplished from high school and beyond. So go for it.
0: So I was born with caudal regression syndrome. It's a very rare disease. Like you said, one out of every 100,000 or 200,000 or more um, are born with it each year. And if you think about how many people in the U.S., that's not many, not many kids born with that disease. It goes to show how, like, how rare it is. And in my situation, I, especially when it comes to just living where I lived and being in athletics, and the city, like me, like I was the only person like myself in my city, the city next to mine, the city north of mine, the city, south city, east city, west. I was the only person with no legs. I didn't. Even, I never saw anybody else like me. And even to this day, I've met like two people that are like me and I'm, and I've been around for a little bit now, you know, and it, it's crazy to think like, it's really rare like that. And, um, Wrestling, dude. <laughs> uh, back if you, uh, Gil Donahue is probably he like he's like he's a coach, but he's also like a father figure. Uh, he saw my disability. His it was actually his identical twin brother. was also a wrestling coach who started my journey in wrestling when I was in second grade elementary school. Uh, gave me a flyer in class one day, and I started going to practice. And him and Gil, uh, Coach Donahue. Uh, since they're twin brothers, they, they were talking to each other for years without my knowledge um, about me, trying to figure out what they could do to help, and just kept going to the drawing board uh, because, you know, uh, his twin, his name is Greg, so my coach's name is Gil. The other one is Greg, Donnie, and um, Greg had called Gil and was like, hey, I got this kid, uh, and I want, he really like, has a passion for wrestling and really want to help him, but he's not having much success right now. And we've been trying everything. And I'm telling you, dude, for 10 years, got my ass kicked. Like, seriously, it was not much I could do, but I was still there every day. Still wrestling every day. Still competing all the time. Losing all the time. And, um, you know, not having legs made it even harder. But with Gil and Greg, especially Gil, once I went to the Massillon school system and transferred from uh, the one Greg was at, uh, that's when we really started to ramp stuff up. Uh, I remember I was in middle school, and Gil was coach uh, coaching the high school. I would skip middle school wrestling practice and go wrestle with the high schoolers, you know, and, um, and like just to try to have some sort of edge. And then I would stay after the high school practices in middle school an hour, two hours, because Coach Gil always had that extra time for me. And his son is one of my best friends, Jake. Uh, me and Jake, Jake's probably one of the first people I can, like, actually remember meeting way back then. <laughs> uh, and we've been friends ever since. And Jake is a phenomenal wrestler, currently ranked one of the top um, 133 pounders in Division II NCAs right now. Uh, so, like, really, pow- really proud of my best friend for doing his thing. Just, like, we all have been doing our thing. You know, it's been a long journey. But, like, dude, over those years, oh, my God, dude, Gil, like, he broke me down and built me up. Broke me down, built me up down built me up to until it finally clicked and it didn't click until that summer between my junior and senior year and even then I was wrestling at tournaments and I still lost like I lost all the way up until that very first match of my senior year like and I wasn't do bad like I would get to a tournament and lose like by the time it got to that point I was getting I knew I was getting better because I would like
1: you're getting I, closer
0: I would get takedowns I would get, I would get like, reversals. I would get turns. But, like, I would still lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, it was a little maddening because I was like, damn, damn, I'm right. I'm right, right. I'm, like, right there. And I remember me and um, Coach Donahue worked on this move hundreds of times called a tilt, and we modified it so it would work for me. I remember I went through this whole tournament, and you know how, like, you just, like, Put a song on repeat. Yep, I hit this move on repeat, nonstop. Like walked my way through a tournament to first place, and uh, it was just such a surreal moment. And I bumped up a weight class because I actually lost the wrestle off for my own weight class, and uh, so I had to bump up a weight. And I still ended up making it to the first uh, first place match. And I could all I gotta do is thank Gil and thank um, our assistant coach, Coach Percy um coach percy by the way was his assistant absolute madman and i love him and uh and well they, they got really you to the
1: click helped. right yeah. you said that's when it clicked
0: yeah and they really were like got because like out of all, all like throughout the whole time i was going through crap and shit at home and just where everything just wasn't right and everything was just really just awful they understood what was going on, so when I came into the wrestling room, they like really made it a point to have me forget about everything that was happening in my life and just focus on wrestling, focus on being there, right, right then and there, you know. And that helped me a lot. It was it was really like therapeutic, and that's why I was able to focus on uh, the success that I'm having now.
1: All right, playmakers, it's about that time to discover your why. It only takes five minutes and on the other side, you will better understand who you are, how you think, and why you do what you do. Here's how you get the assessment. Text the word why to 310-564-7857. Again, open up a text and send the word why to 310-564-7857. For coaching after, DM me for now, Let's get back to the show. Yeah, well, what I love about not only the story of your coach and, and the whole family that you just talked about, but even Kimberly as well, um, your, your mom, because there's a tremendous amount of empathy and just they they accepted you for who you are, even if maybe you're brightest moments hadn't come yet. And I don't just mean the trophy. I'm not talking about the trophies. I'm talking about like the, they saw something inside of you. And why this resonates so much with me, Zion is, while it's certainly not apples to apples, but my dad being a teacher in an underprivileged community, I lost my dad at 19, but many of his students have since told me that my dad gave them a reason to think that tomorrow was worth it. Many of them have told me that he was the first person that ever believed in them. And I share this with you because I've heard stories about how everybody is redeemable, you know, like I think for all playmakers listening and there's somebody around us that maybe we've given up on. Maybe the world has given up on them, but that doesn't it's a choice for how we, in my words, meet them at the 50, right? Like they are where they are. But sometimes even in the leadership role, I know you speak to, of course, youth, but also businesses. And when you talk to business leaders, sometimes they got to see more potential in somebody than they see in themselves. That's just the reality. So let's go here. Yeah. So let's go here. So you, you started killing it. You, you went on that crazy streak. And I mean, now dude, I look at your stuff and it's like, man, you, you've got a mission to be the both dual in the same games. You want to hit the Paralympics, but the Olympics, like you want that one, two punch you've set a Guinness world book record. So from a physical piece, and then we're going to talk more about the mission and, 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 and the books and all of that, but just talk to us about just the physical performance journey that you've been on more of the modern chapter, how you've been kicking ass lately.
0: Oh man, I've torn muscles. I've broken bones. Uh, it's been very grueling when you're really pushing to be, get to that next level, but it's all part of the process. Yeah. you know, I came out to California three, four years ago. and never kind of came back, you know, and good uh,
1: move, man. The sun works out here. It actually yeah, warms you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. It, it makes you appreciate where you're at even more and where you come from. But, um, I got out here, and I remember I went to Team Body Shop, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Team Body Shop or a Bellator team. Uh, Yep,
1: Bellator, yep.
0: Yep, so you you do know who they are. Yeah. Yeah, so Antonio McKee, AJ, Rampage Jackson, Joey Black Ice, like all these, uh, Kimbo Slice Jr., all these guys. um, I call them my brothers uh, now, but when I first came out there, they were like, who's this dude? You know, and uh, (laughs) – really intimidating you know like just walking into a room of some of the world's most gangster fighters and um i went in there and just absolutely got just demolished it was like i was back at square one you know uh even though i just came off of being an all-american and having all this success i was there was still such a huge gap of me doing that and where i wanted to be which is where they were at over the last couple years i've considerably closed that gap by a ton but um, at the time it was more so uh, you need to get your body even better shape you need to fine-tune your technique you need to develop different skill plans you can't just have one or two skill plans you gotta have a plan and expect everything to go wrong and have five more backup plans you know and I didn't really understand that until probably about a year ago and um when it came to just developing my skills in martial arts because now I'm not just wrestling. Now I'm doing MMA, and I've developed a whole style uh, for fighting, just like I did for wrestling. And I'm actually starting to have a lot of success with it now, too. And the way I got there was by figuring out how does my wrestling open up shots? How does me being a wrestler and the way I can move open up punches and counters and open up uh, more submissions, you know? I was trying to play off the skills that I already had, so I can still grow the wrestling, but and develop a whole other skill. Because if you think it's some of the most dangerous martial artists in the world, they don't—they aren't just special. They aren't just specialized in one field. They're specialized in two, three, four different fields, and then that's what they walk into the cage with. That's what they walk onto the mat with. That's what they walk into the ring with. You know, and I didn't have that. So over the last couple of years, I developed different techniques, different styles, different hand placements, different types of agility training, different types of speed training, different types of conditioning. Like it's been been absolutely just an absolutely insane journey. And it's not for everybody, but it's definitely for me. And I I just I was like, you know, I get knocked down, you know. You ever been punched in the face by Rampage Jackson? It hurts. Most people <laughs> get punched one time and they're like, yeah. And that's the last
1: punch they'll take. Yeah, I, I would not. I have not, and I would not want to. So
0: See, I, I get punched in the mouth by people like that. I'm going to say I get hit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I enjoy myself so much. Even if you hit me, I'm still smiling, and I'm still punching in the face while I'm smiling. You know, I, I found a real joy in a sport that's as dangerous as it is and at the level that I'm training at and the level I'm getting ready to compete at it's, it's what I got to do. And I'm telling you right now, learning all these different forms of martial arts have brought my wrestling from here to here over the last couple of years. Um, I don't even, honestly, I don't even recognize myself from how I used to move, uh, back in college. And that's, yeah, that's what I, you've that's transformed, what I want. right?
1: It's a transformation.
0: And that's what everybody wants to do. You never want to stay the same. You know, it's always said that the human brain and the human body once you get to like 25, to like 25 and 28 for the human male, we stop growing or that like that's as far as our brain develops and that's just who we are the rest of our lives. That's bullshit and it's not true.
1: No, it's it's 100% false. I, and, and Zion, I just to jump in real quick, I actually think you can evolve in three areas, your head, your heart, and your hands. So the head is the mindset. That heart is like sometimes you've got to find a deeper burn, that igniter, that passion, right? And then the hands is the physical piece, whether that is health, whether that is high levels of performance like the ones you're in. But for every playmaker listening in, because not everybody's in that high performance space, I still think, let's say, if you want to level up in your craft – you're a lawyer, you're a salesperson, you're a marketer. You're like your hands are how you bring that to action every day. And so that would be like me telling you, oh, at 25, you can never become a better marketer. It's bullshit. And we all know that. But yet we think that when we talk about the conversation you're having, as far as like, oh, the human body wasn't meant to. No, dude, I, I know folks that are in their 50s, 50 5-0 and beyond, and they are still physically transforming.
0: Still. Oh, dude, my... My great-grandpa, his name is Willie Clark Sr. Um, This guy is 93 years old. Goes on a jog every day. Goes to the weight room every day. You know, uh, he's very active. Drinks two shots of whiskey every day that goes and works out. You know, like, has a whole, whole, like, thing he does. Oh, my goodness. you ever seen a 93-year-old man that's got some muscles, dude? (laughs) my point even further it does not matter the age if you want to keep leveling up and feeling good and being healthy and being active it doesn't matter age age is just a number it's, the, it's starts with the starts with the mind when it comes to the mind you can't do anything without the mind acting first the mind you think it then you act uh wrestling you can't get past my head you're not taking me down everything starts here and then the body follows
1: no doubt. And even, and I want to get to your platform now, but I I look at, and for all those, if you haven't, seen Zion's piece on Netflix. Uh, I I see here the quote, possibility is a question of perspective. You just talked about a perspective. In this case, we're talking about age, but perspective can be about anything and what you think is possible is all about where you anchor your perspectives. So talk to our playmakers right now as we shift gears because I want to talk about your mission, your book, all of that. So how did from this amazing piece that largely we've been talking about the physical journey, but you have a platform now, like a massive platform and you're using it for good so it's not only doing well it's doing good and that's why playmakers care about the purpose that you're driving so just quick hits on how did all these opportunities come about so you know again we could see like the Sundance piece the Netflix piece the uh being on the Ellen show like how did that kind of blow up and then more importantly what are you doing because of that elevated platform how are you serving others because that I know is what gets you out of bed
0: uh so when all this stuff started, I was like eighteen. You know, uh it, it started with um when, you know, when I was winning the way I was in high school, uh, it caught a lot of national attention. Uh, which I had no idea was gonna happen. I was just happy that I was winning a couple of matches, if I'm gonna be honest. You know, like that's I was like I yes, get it. Finally. <laughs> Start with the small wins, right? Yeah. And um Next thing you know, I'm like being followed around by like every news station in Ohio. ESPN followed me around for like the second half of my senior year uh, and caught every single moment up until my final defeat. Uh, well, that ended my season. Like, and it was just an epic journey, dude. Knocking off the number one guy in the country at 106, knocking off the number two guy in the country at 106, knocking off state champs, knocking off state places and I have no business being there and I didn't even make the state ter- I didn't even make the state tournament but I beat all those guys you know mm-hmm. what I mean that goes to show how vicious like the sport is in Ohio you have some of the best guys in the country in the state all in, all coming from the same area so somebody's gonna lose and somebody's somebody's gonna win somebody's gonna go home but you don't know who
1: so to to get us back here so obviously they're following you so you're getting that uh, that love from ESPN everybody else yeah go for it
0: all that's happening and then you know I um I go from being a dominant force on the wrestling mat to checking out what track and field is. And like my sister and my cousin ended up becoming a multiple time state champ in that too. And um, that's like a thing in my family, being an athlete. So I was like, all right, this is I'm kind of running with this. You know, my uh, older cousin, his name is Carlin Isles. He's one of the world's fastest rugby players on Team USA Rugby Sevens. Uh, he's like the first professional athlete in our family and to really do something. And the fun fact, the day that I went to go compete for my state championships, I talked to him on the phone and uh, he got me super hyped. And I'm not going to repeat what you said because it was really gangster, but <laughs> <laughs> it got me hype. And I came away with two titles and four placements and two records. And um, next thing you know, I just, I do that. I be I go from being a high school track athlete to skipping college and going straight into being professional. Next thing you know, I'm the youngest guy racing with the pros. Uh, then wrestling got offered uh, some money to go to school. So I went to went to Kent State and I started running stuff up. And while like right before I went to college, this producer hit me up from New York City. It was like, Hey, we want to do a film and like some, try to submit it to Sundance. I was, I didn't know what any of that meant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was at the time, I was, I was 19 years old. I was at my mom's house driving to school, you know? And I, I just, I just was like, sure. Talk to my mom, you know? <laughs> and yeah. next thing you know, um, there were there, we had a conference, like a phone conference and, they came out for a week and a half. We filmed this thing and guess what? I went back to school. And then that was the year that I actually moved on to campus. And um, I remember like a year later, they're like Sundance wants it. So I ended up in Salt Lake City, Utah, at the Sundance Film Festival, and it got best short film there and then proceeded to get best short documentary at every single film festival across the country and in other countries. Um. So, just absolutely, just for some reason, like me, I can't even tell you why. Still, but it was. I, I. My assumption is that it was just that so powerful, even though it's twelve minutes, that it affected people in ways that I had no idea. Because at the time, you got to think. My main focus at the time wasn't being trying to be inspired, like inspiring, dude. I was twenty. I was twenty one, and I'm in college. You can you can kind of put the rest together.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Yeah,
0: I was just, I was just focused on focused on myself and focused on going to class and study table and practice and competition. You know, because uh, that's what took up my all my days, all the time. And uh, and it, but
1: that Zion, that's also just to jump in real quick though. Th- this is where you were building up your your brand, your story, your platform, and you know things like Sundance and Netflix. Yeah, they amplify it. Right. Like at, at some point, you can only create as much good as the folks that are either a in front of you or B that have the awareness and exposure of who you are. So take us there, because I know that this is something that's super important. To you, and as we come down the home stretch here, so you have this massive platform, you, you've had the spotlight shined on you, but that's not what you're about. You're trying to pay it forward. To the future generation. So whether you want to talk about your cause relative to the the foster care system or your books, like tell us right now from this point going forward. Now that you've elevated, w- what are you doing to pay this forward?
0: Uh, I always try to get back to the kids, man. Like, don't get me wrong. I still have my own things, my own life. Uh, I'm not going to be. I'm not the. Uh, I, let me let me keep it a hundred with you. I am not the dude that wakes up and it's like, I'm going to inspire someone to say, no, I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to just work my hardest. And I want people to see that I work my hardest. And I want you to feed off my energy while I continue to do what I do. And while I continue to strive for greatness, because if I can strive for greatness, so can you. And I keep it simple. And it's some, for some reason, the way I've been doing things has been just absolutely working. I get people coming up all the time, people messaging, people mailing, uh, dude, I got so this guy, he actually, um, uh, I can't remember his name, but a couple weeks ago, I got a letter in the mail. This guy from, uh, he was in, he's in federal prison and saw my documentary, <laughs> you know, and said that like over the last 10 years of him being in federal prison, he's getting out in about five to five, like five years or possibly 10 more years. He said he was getting out and he said, he saw me, he said, he's forever going to look at life differently. And that he's grateful that he got to see what I was able to do and like hear my story because he's he was like, I've done I've done a lot of bad things, but you've experienced way worse. And he said it really motivated him to do better, to get on the right track. And like, dude, I'm telling you, it was like a real like prison prison note, like paper reading it, like <laughs> and I, I I felt that, you know? And um it's stuff like that, man, where I don't have to, I want to be able to not even have to say a word and still inspire you. Mm, That's that's so good. True inspiration isn't just like going out and doing things and hosting events and giving speeches and stuff like that. No, sometimes it's about actively striving for greatness while bringing people along with you for the ride and showing them what that's like and giving them a taste of what that's like. So when it's, when it's their time, they can do the same thing, either just at the same level or even, even more leveled up. Mm.
1: Well, well I, before our last question, I just want to share this and Zion, maybe a little, this might be new, but I learned. So I always had this thought about what inspiration is. And it wasn't until I heard the Latin definition of it that it truly sunk in. So the Latin definition of inspire is to breathe life into So for all playmakers listening in, what breathes life into you and in this case what i'm hearing from zion is like a guy like me yeah sure i think i inspire from stages as could somebody like zion but that's not the only way you can inspire and in zion's case he's like i'm just going to put in the work like i'm just going to be who i am i'm going to go head down and i'm going to kick ass and i'm going to perform and that in turn as folks are absorbing it watching it that alone can breathe life into them and that's how you're inspiring people it's not the only way but that's one of the ways so so here we go, man. I um, books. I know a you've already that's part of your rearview mirror, but also more importantly, it's part of what you're looking forward to. So, talk to us about just the thought leadership and the book journey that you've been on, and also where folks can find it.
0: Yeah, so uh, over the last two and a half years, so I started my project on this book with Candlewick Press. Uh, sorry, uh, with Candlewick Press. Um, and they're one of the biggest publishing companies in the world. I think they're like the number two in the world. They are just absolutely just giants uh, in the industry. And they reached out uh, to one of my managers a couple of years ago. I was like, hey, we'd be interested in doing a book. Because uh, there's like the Netflix documentary is really great. But, you know, nothing beats a book. You know, you know what I mean? There, Nothing can be a book. I'm an avid reader myself. I love to read. I'm currently reading four different books right now. Um, do, you, do you have, just curious,
1: do you have an all-time favorite or just one that comes to mind that you absolutely love?
0: I like to absorb information. So if it's something that has information, uh, like, yeah, I'll read for enjoyment. But like, I like reading stuff like self-realization, how to manage businesses, how to just live a happy life. Uh, I'm reading a little gag book for my mom on like how to be an adult. It's funny, but
1: (laughs) okay. All right. So you diversified. I like it. All right. So continue with your book.
0: Uh, But they were like a book. You could really like dive deep into your story. And if, so like if you don't want to have to say the same story over and over again, when people ask you about the foster care system, let's put it into a book and let's get, let's get down to the details. So over the last 2 years I've had my writer's name's Jim, uh, James Hurt. He's written for uh the Beach Boys. He wrote the he wrote he was one of the writers behind the uh book Hurricane Carter. Uh, like dude is an absolute just badass at writing books. You know, he's a New York Times best-selling author and I've had the pleasure of calling him my friend and working with him over the last couple of years and we're still working even now. Um but the last two years, he literally just kind of followed me around, uh, picked my brain. he even went back home to some of those places. Like, there are places that, like, I avoid, I've avoid, i avoided for over 10 years uh, because, like, it just leaves – there's so much negative energy there. And with him, I was like, listen, we're going to do this. And, like, I, like, he's like, if we're going to have – if this book's going to be good and if we're going to really, like, like, inspire people – We got to go back to these places so we went back and talked to some people uh and and like and all the people we talked to a lot like they knew about the stuff i was going through some of them were part of the stuff i was going through but they were only able to like be on the outside looking in and then we talked to some like former siblings and uh we did we did we did we did the most you know and during the process it was it was a very uncomfortable process for me actually uh, but sometimes you have to step out of that comfort zone if you want to make something great, and so that's what we did. We we st- uh, he helped me step out of that comfort zone, and we went and like did like hours, bro. we recorded probably over fifty hours of conversation just for the second book um, that we're still working on. And uh, it just it's been a journey, and we uh, I started with a little coffee table book called Zion and Match. That's out now, uh, currently in the UK, Canada, and the US, and it's kind of like a little coffee table, coffee table read uh, slash picture expose with a lot of things that I've said. Like in the moment, you know, I say a lot of things, especially like after I'm getting done competing. When people like put a camera in your face or put a little microphone, on. yeah, it,
1: it's raw, but, it's raw, yeah, uh-huh. like
0: raw, like just raw energy. Uh, so that we've taken a lot of those things, as he was with me for some events like that too, you know. So where like he like he understands like oh this is this is who this is who Z is for real. He
1: bottles it up,
0: yeah. Yeah, and this book I made it so like kids could understand it, but at the same time, someone like you or somebody even older can look at it and still be inspired, you know. And that's why I dropped it first. I'm I'm currently one of the top children's books on the planet right now, you know. And
1: that's so cool. Uh,
0: it's such a blessing to know that um, I'm actually changing the name of the game when it comes to like being an inspiration for kids because like, you know, kids are our future. You want to inspire them. Yes. Because at the, at, like it's inevitable that we're going to end up handing this world off to them. You know, right now the world got handed off to people my age. But 20, 20 years from now, I'm going we're going to be handing it off to that next generation. So why not start inspiring them right now? 'cause I could've released the actual book like the big book first, but I didn't for that reason and so this book it's only about forty pages long uh again, it's like a picture expose with a lot of quotes from me and other people that have watched me grow up and watched me develop since I was a very little kid and um i i in my my opinion, I feel like it's very powerful and
1: well, I'm sure it is Z. and and here's where we're at is as we come down here. Life is like that never-ending marathon race where we're just handing the baton from one generation to the other to the other, and that's what you are doing. So, real quick before we cut out of here, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? How can the playmaker community tap into your world if they're not there already?
0: Okay, all right. First, I want to since we're on the topic of the book, I want to tell you where you can get the book. Yes, absolutely.
1: Uh, Yeah, You can
0: get the book at any Barnes and Noble. You can get the book on Indigo. You can get the book online on Amazon. You can go into the store and Target. You can go into Target across any location across the United States and grab the book. Uh, Yeah, so that's how you can get my book. And then what was your last thing you said?
1: Oh, just, uh, you know, website or wherever it's best for us to find you, follow you content. You're just amazing. So where can we find you and follow you?
0: so you can find me on instagram at big underscore z underscore 2020 i know that's a mouthful so if you type in just type in big z you can find me (laughs) uh my facebook i drop a lot of inspirational content zion clark and then snapchat it's big underscore 97 z uh i have my own show on i have my own show that i partnered with snapchat with recently we're actually getting ready to release episode four or five here soon uh and it's having it's been getting great traction it's called z's World. So that's a different angle of what I do. So you might see what I do on my social media, but now I have a whole show. So where, like, if you want to see, like, how does, does what does he like to do when he's just kicking it? What does he like to do when he's just messing around? What does he like to do? Like, it's a, diff- it's a different side of me that I want to show people.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. So playmakers you know where to find them follow them grab not only the books that exist but the books that are on the way and brother you just have such an amazing mission and i love your just can-do attitude of like i i see this on your site be greater than the obstacles you face and playmakers you have an obstacle in your life and from our man zion clark you just need to rise above it and be greater than that so with that Zion, thank you so much, brother, for being on Playmakers.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Another episode
1: in the books. You know the drill. If it added value to your life, subscribe, share, leave a review, and help grow our Playmaker community. For keynote speaking and why coaching, visit paulepsteinspeaks.com. And last call, if you haven't already, take your why discovery now. Pull out your phones and text the word Y to 310-564-7857. Again, text the word Y to 310-564-7857. Playmakers is proudly produced by Detroit Podcast Studios. Until the next time, dominate the day on purpose.